Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We have gone on an epic journey through the symbolism of the 78 cards of the tarot deck, and in this season, we are applying esoteric filters to the deck, examining it through a variety of astrological, cabalistic, numeric, and other lenses. This week, we're continuing our 10-part series on number, which will allow us to look at the many roles that number plays in tarot, whether in the 1 through 10 numeric minors, or in the numbered major arcana, or even in the court cards, which, believe it or not, also each have number correspondences. Focusing on number will also allow us to have a closer look at the 10 sephirot of the Tree of Life, which is good because Kabbalah is probably one of the more challenging esoteric subjects we tackle on this podcast, and we could all use a bit more time to wrangle some of its subtleties. And remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something inscrutable, we do have lots of resources to help with that on our website www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you can sign up and get access to all of that content for as little as a dollar. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com, and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 450 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortunes Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode, we have a giveaway. Last week, our prize for the ninth and penultimate of our numeric episodes went to Grace right here in Western Massachusetts. Congratulations, Grace. She'll be receiving her choice of a tarotista zip pouch or face mask in last week's Mystical Moon fabric. If you're not Grace, you can still obtain any tarotista product sewn by me at www.etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. This week, we're completing our cycle with the fulsome and replete number 10, one of whose symbols is the quartered cross. The quartered cross is also the symbol featured on Mel's Tabula Mundi deck boxes. So for this episode's giveaway, we are offering our winner a copy of the new Manus Perfectus midsize edition of Tabula Mundi. It's produced in the perfect proportions for ease of shuffling. You can, of course, order it and all the rest of Mel's beautiful decks online at www.tarocart.com. And now, here's this week's episode. Hear the joyous whisper, where breathing still, feel the lights We are here for the the 10th and last 
of our numeric episode series. You may have thought we were just going to keep counting, but no. Ten and done. We are going ten, to... Ten, not eleven. Ten, not eleven. <laughs> ten and not nine. Yeah. <laughs> we are not going to turn it up to eleven. So the, here we are at the... Uh, at the end of all things, the 10. And we'll be talking about the four tens, meaning the 10 of wands, which is the Lord of Oppression, the 10 of cups, which is satiety or perpetual success, which is a very strange gloss on that, I guess. Really? Oh, is it perfected success? Okay. I I read down perpetual, but I might have, it's possible it's like that somewhere else. But anyway, perfected success satiety or perfected success and uh, the lord of rune is the ten of swords and the ten of discs the lord of wealth you mm. know there's no such thing as perpetual success <laughs> that's true <laughs> i'm not sure there's such thing as perfected success either though <laughs> yeah i don't think so and then we'll be talking about majors by number and reduced which means uh the magician the wheel of fortune and the sun just like we were in the number one episode i guess And then we have the four last court cards we'll be talking about, the pages or princesses, which are associated with the number 10 and with the ace and with Malkut. And the (laughs) that connect to 10 on the life. Yes, which, only which three. We of could them. argue all of them, but we're not gonna, yes. we're not gonna do that. <laughs> Let's not and say we did. The moon between Netzach and Malkut, uh, Eon or Judgment between Hod and Malkut, and the world or universe between, uh, Yesod and Malkut. I was thinking of releasing the episode and just like saying at the beginning, refer to one. <laughs> <laughs> Done. That would be cool. We, that would save us so much effort. It would save us so much effort. But but it really is its own thing, separate. It's special and different. And in some ways, I think it's more relatable than the one. You know, it's where oh, we yeah. live. So 10, everything for us works on 10 because we're, we're, we're a 10-based civilization because of our 10 fingers and 10 toes, I guess. We have the Tetractus, that pyramid-like image of one over two over three over four dots, which is the basis of Pythagorean mysticism, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's fair to say. Yeah, and it also connects the 10 to the four, which I didn't mm. even think about for this episode, but there's the, there it is. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There's the tetractus with that term tetra right there, meaning four. And it's also known as the decad. And you know what I didn't realize is that decad comes from the Greek dechomai, which means to receive, which mm, is, interesting. wow. Yeah. I mean, like Kabbalah, to receive. You right. Know? Um, yep. It's almost as though the 10 is this gift that we're given to to make sense of the world with. Westcott describes it as Pantaleia, all complete. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And of course, we talked about perfection and completion in the nine as well. And well, in like practically every number, we probably talked about completion and perfection. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, like the, the 10 is obviously that, but it's also not that because it's it's where the things start again. So you know, yeah. like it's the first, it's the first of the double digit numbers and it's comprised of the one and the zero. But so back to the beginnings. Right, right, so that's right. kind of like, I think a theme of the 10 is that it's both an ending and a regeneration. Kind of it like is. the idea of yeah. Malkut as being ripe fruit that mm-hmm. has seeds within it. Yeah, that's true. And I was also thinking about 
10 as being, you know, kind of combining the mystical numbers three and seven as well, because, you know, we, we're always talking about seven planets and three, well, three or four elements. We're also talking about three mother letters and seven double letters. You know, we talk about three and seven and 12 all the time, but mm -hmm. there's definitely something about the subset of 10 as three plus seven, as well as five plus five. Yeah, it's kind of like dividing the supernals. Off yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The seven days of creation, the three veils, that uh, separation between three and seven as being something about the upper and the lower, the divine and the mundane. There's the ten the three like primal elements, you know, first, and then mm -hmm. somehow those combining to form the seven yeah, colors they're... or something, you know? It's like taking the three, the prima materia and splitting them up into diverse elements, which somehow turn out to be seven. We have Ten Commandments. Oh, and here's something I had that was kind of interesting from Agrippa. Uh, the, and I started writing down the quote, and then I just kept writing because it's such a great quote. He has this whole section on numbers. I think it's in the second book of occult philosophy. And at the end, he talks about 10 as being circular. He says it's as circular as unity because being heaped together returns into a unity from whence it had its beginning. So everything that is flowing is returned back to that from which it had the beginning of its flux. So water returns to the sea from whence it had its beginning. The body returns to the earth from whence it was taken. Time returns into eternity from whence Aha, it flowed. Just like we talked about right. nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the spirit shall return to God that gave it. And lastly, every creature returns to nothing from whence it was created, which mm. I thought was quite beautiful, really. Um, mm. All the ways that nothingness and everything are related. Yeah, it's definitely part of that theme of, you know, regeneration and return, completion and new beginning, endings and beginnings. There's something I read about 10 that called it the ascension of one attained through nine, which seems kind of cool when you put it on the tree. And then in the Naples arrangement, we have the point's idea of itself. Right. You know, and then that's continued. It continues that. it's It actually says the point's idea of itself fulfilled in its complement mm -hmm. as determined by 789. So that fulfilled in its complement mm -hmm. part, I think, is important because it's with you know, the universe and the 10 being the bride and mm -hmm. its complement, the prince, you know, the prince and princess, that connection between Malkut and Teferet, but between them is the seven, eight, and nine, the, the personality triad. Mm -hmm. The point's idea of itself, you know, there's this, a very recursive quality to that. Yeah. You know, it's reproducing itself. Once it has an idea of itself, it begins. So like, you know, when we, look back to Keter, that was the point, positive yet indefinable in Keter. So it's almost like once you get to the 10, the point has reproduced itself by having the idea of itself. By having back a definition. To yeah. Mm -hmm. The definition that it lacked. Right. So the, you could almost call Malkut definition and the 10 definition yeah. as opposed to the, the, the lack of definition in, in unity. Kind of yeah, need to take unity a... splits into four first, you know, the yod heh vav -Hey, but then it continues on into ten. Hmm. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Kind of need to take a hit off the bong now. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was, right? just, I was just feeling the flashback there, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh man. <sighs> I never even had any wild days. 
so I can't even look back to them. <laughs> you you had enough for both of us, right? <laughs> I I did. The um, I had enough to be declared legally insane. <laughs> At one so, point. I'm glad, you know, because that's one of the things that we get to do on this earth. And I'm I'm glad you had that experience and also that it's behind you. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I think is really associated with the 10 is daughter maiden archetypes. Yeah, um, totally. You know, we totally talk about the three and the 10. Also, the, um, the mother and daughter figures, Bina and Malkut. And also, you know, the whole Demeter- Persephone mm-hmm. link there. I also saw a an association with Lakshmi. I which did is, too, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because it's like remember that Lakshmi is one of the one of the things that was formed by the churning of the ocean, right? Um, yeah. when they were turning the the ocean of milk to create the Amrita, the nectar of immortality and Lakshmi was one of the things that rose up from that. So she too is kind of a daughter of the universe in the same way. And, and she's also the means. goddess of fortune, right? Right, right. So that's one of the majors, the 10. Also, the, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's perfect. I think you mentioned Eris being related to the 9 and I have seen that Psyche is related to the 10. Yeah, there's that connection between 9 and 10 like it's definitely mm-hmm. a thing. It's a thing. They're having a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Sphinx? Isis and Nephthys. Oh, yeah. Seven, the lower seven, form seven, of Nephthys. Then it said yeah. unwedded. What's that? I mean, unwedded, like, like virginal. like. Oh, so well, before you know, Osiris? Before they, yeah, before they married their spouses, oh. Isis. But Osiris is there, too. Mm-hmm. Osiris is one of the gods, right. Um, right. which makes sense. And also Seb, yeah. the lord of earth. Yeah. As opposed to Shu, the Lord of Air in the Nine. Yeah, and hence the connection with the crocodile, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and this obviously the Sphinx, I think you started to say yeah. the four elements, the four carobs in one creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't even really thought about that and the sort of like uh, the way the, the four creatures kind of combine to produce the Sphinx, and, you know, the four creatures that we also see in the world and universe cards. We started to talk about Malkut a little bit already. So Malkut is literally the kingdom or the throne. I think that's particularly poignant in a way because, yeah, it's cognate with both king. I don't remember if it's Malik or Malik or Malak. One of them's Arabic, one of them's Hebrew. And then uh, queen, which is I know is Malka. And it's interesting to think about that because Malka is also the term that's used to designate the queen of the Sabbath, the Sabbath bride. And Malkut is said to be the dwelling place of the Shekinah, the bride or the feminine aspect of the divine. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the Shekinah, the Shekinah is the the beloved of the divine. We talk about these themes of receiving, of being given something of being beloved there's very much something that's very passive about this sephira because it is considered special different and the recipient of the force of the tree which is why we said yesod was the base and foundation of the tree where everything funnels that sort of place of power but malkut is separate enclosed and its own thing i'm not saying dingleberry but i'm thinking it <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess I just said it. Well, you, Thanks, you, you, Lon Milo Duquette. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit going back to the idea of 10 as a number, but it, it does tie into that idea of the bride and the bridegroom in that, you know, the 10 is the male and the female combined. If you look at pillar of the one and the void of the zero, you know, it's, it, it is yeah, that yeah. is that manifestation that is both male and female. Just like the maiden of the universe is hermaphroditic because so is Keter, you know? Yeah, and there's something in the um, the Ten and in Malkut about that kind of union between male and female, for sure. There's also the union of divine and human as well. Yeah, because another thing they call the Ten is the one returning to zero. right. You know, we started in one and, and now we have one zero. So it's like that that whole theme of return, divine return. Mm-hmm. I've seen this described also as the executive energy of Bina. I don't know where. Do you know where that is? I think I might have seen it in Wang. Or Sounds like, like something that. would be in Wang, yeah. Yeah, the idea that this is where Bina, the wellspring of form, actually has the power to create form, to exist in form, to be in the real world. Yeah, it's that idea of it being matter, yeah. Yeah. The the three primal elements, and then the fourth element arises. It's the combination of the three, and it's matter and creation. Um, I think in 777, he also called the ten, which I thought was kind of cool, the illusory physical envelope. Isn't that interesting? The the illusory... Physical, physical envelope envelope um, the scaffolding of the building oh that's cool yeah because there's something in there about the scaffolding being just the cover just the shell but also being functional mm-hmm. in some way and that that very saturnine too yes and that's interesting because i was just thinking about how like you know we've been talking about these themes of passivity and reception but it's also malkut is also contiguous and coterminous with asiya the fourth world the world of action yes the power to go yeah and this is the the plane of earth the kingdom that is the field the the, where we walk you know where we act Mm mm-hmm Yes, and this is something we'll also see reflected in the pages and princesses as well. Eliphas Levy had a really nice phrase for Malkut. He called it the work and mirror of God. Hmm. Yeah, created in his image or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a reflection, but it's also a self-standing thing, I guess Hmm. is the idea. This idea of creation as being... I think we talked about it in the nine about, you know, is matter a prison or is mm-hmm. it a safety what, what structure? What is it? Yeah. Is it safety uh, or it, is it a prison? Yeah. There's definitely that connection between Bina as sorrow and Malkut as the gate of tears and that idea of, you know, the connection between Keter and Malkut as spirit and matter and mm-hmm. this idea of the womb, you know, Bina and, and Keter, the supernals, the womb, and then the grave of Malkut, that whole, like, you know, yeah. once you're born, you're dying idea. Yeah. And it kind of, there is some connection between Malkut and sorrow, like the sorrow of incarnation, the the samsara. Mm-hmm. Uh, um Suffering, yeah, yeah, the suffering of of living, um, and I think that that ties into what 
Crowley said in that section that we've been referring back to on number and under 10, it was another one that he called kind of evil because he called the 10 evil memories of our sorrow. So there's, I think he's talking about the fall from, from Eden yeah. or something. Yeah, but the evil, distance. Evil from... memories of mm-hmm. our sorrow, yet holy as hiding in itself the return to the negative. So that's, you know, again, that, that idea of uh, one returning to zero, one as the ascension, you know, attained through nine. Yes, and it's also, I think, implied in there is the idea that the restoration of the world, you know, tikkun olam. Uh, I actually have this taped to my desk lamp here, the phrase, l'takein olam v'malkut shaddai, um, the idea that to restore the world only takes place from from malkut. You know, the it's the place of the ultimate fall, but also the place of the ultimate redemption at the same time. I think that that's reflected in the god name, which is Adonai Haaretz, the god of the world, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that only incarnate can you restore the shards of the divine to their proper place. So there's a sense in here that to be alive is both the ultimate suffering and the ultimate gift. I was thinking about the term suffering. Archaically, the term to suffer is means to let something happen to you. It's not just to feel pain, but to let something happen. And that, to me, kind of ties into the passivity and the sort of reception mm. qualities of this place. But it also makes me think that the cure for that is to act. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, to, to go, go to forth and do in the world and that's of like, To be alive is to have a destiny, you know, that you're moving towards. Yes. Whether you're aware of it or not. And that kind of ties into the power of Malkut is the vision of the holy guardian angel, mm-hmm. Adonai. Um, yeah, so the vision of the holy guardian angel, I mean, it's a little bit different than the in Tiferet, the, the union with the holy guardian mm-hmm. angel, but the vision of it starts, the first glimpse of your purpose and your destiny begins in Malkut. Mm-hmm. It's a very mysterious thing, you know, the whole holy guardian angel concept. You almost don't even want to talk about it or go there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. One one thing I was thinking about that is, in a sense, you're in, you're in Malkut, right? And above, you have that triangle of seven, eight, and nine, and then beyond that the six where the the union with the hg is and here and we're down here and like there's this that's the whole like personality triangle between the six and the ten and so there's the vision of the holy guardian angel and there's the union with it and between it is the personality and i think part of that meeting with your guardian angel is there's two parts of it one is realizing your destiny and the other is Somehow through that process, and maybe many, we've done this many of times in our lives without realizing this is what we're doing is connecting with our guardian Mm -hmm. angel in that we're creating a whole new personality through a realization of your destiny. I don't know about you, but how many times in your life have you created a whole new personality in a sense? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Absolutely. And I think that's part of that process. The refashioning of the self. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well said. As you're saying, if the vision is the vision of the holy guardian angel, it's that perhaps that allows you to move from this state of 
reception and passivity to action. Inertia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Inertia. Inertia. Yeah. That's so vice. Yeah. Right. Right. Inertia or avarice. Um, there's two of them. And then the yep. virtue is discrimination. And you know, I I heard a gloss you know on. Mm-hmm. I've also. Go I'll, ahead. I'll, yeah. Go ahead. Go finish. But I, yeah, there's something else about that too. Go, yeah, go, that go discrimination. Ahead, I was reading somewhere. I can't even remember where. I think it was in Rachel Pollack's book, actually, The Kabbalah Tree. The idea that our fault, our, our, our great confusion is the idea that we're separate from the divine and that discrimination refers not to, you know, <laughs> uh, gender discrimination or, or income dis- discrimination or anything like that, but the recognition that we are not separate from God. Uh, that Keter is in Malkut and Malkut is in Keter. Having the ability to discern that is the kind of discrimination that is the virtue of Malkut. Definitely. What I was going to say when, when you said discrimination, that one thing I found pretty interesting is it's, you know, you see it as discrimination in most places, but in one of the columns of 777 under uh, virtues for Malkut, it listed skepticism. Ooh. As an alternative to discrimination, and that I thought, I thought just just word wise that was interesting. You know, like the idea of skepticism, questioning whether your perceptions are accurate, and realizing that all perceptions mm. are possibly inaccurate, if not definitely inaccurate. You know, I, yeah, like, actually, all perceptions are definitely inaccurate in one <laughs> sense of the word. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so that skepticism as the virtue as an an alternative word to discrimination. I I found that really interesting, especially in terms of how we were talking about, you know, this profound connection between the nine and the 10 and the nine as the world of the astral where, where energies and thoughts create your reality. Well, you have to use that discrimination or skepticism to question what your senses are bringing you, if that makes sense. Yes, it makes me think of the Eden story in the sense that, you know, Eden is literally providence where everything is provided for. And what makes it a human place is the fact that we have the free will to choose there. And that's what leads to the fall. And you you have to use your discrimination to make your choices. Exactly. And the act of eating the apple was was an act of skepticism, you know, when I think Mm -hmm. about it, you know, as as you're bringing that term up, the questioning, couldn't there be more? And going beyond what's given. So it really makes you wonder, how can that have been an evil act when that's our whole purpose to question, you know? Right. It wasn't. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the devil card I drew this morning, and I know he's he has something to say about that. <laughs> knowledge is power, is what knowledge he says. Knowledge is power. <laughs> yeah, well, knowledge is you know, I mean, that's, knowledge is that's knowledge. the way we're built. You know, is to seek knowledge and exactly. to question, to take yeah. action. Yeah, through our discrimination and seeking of knowledge. Right, and to not seek knowledge and to not act is inertia. That's the mm-hmm. vice. So, so there is definitely something in all of these magical pursuits that's fundamentally about returning knowledge to a place that is divine and virtuous, right? You know, not just knowledge as a, um, as a condition of sinfulness, which is something that we see in Christianity quite often. This ties into something that was also from 777 that he was talking about how Malku is 
you know, the place of the, the field of the four elements. That's why one of its symbols is the equal armed cross or the mm-hmm. circle divided in fours. It's the four elements, really the first three active elements. And then the, the fourth is them all combined. But right. the quote was something like uh, it was saying something like the three active elements and the first nine Sephiro do not exist at all directly for the senses. He says there to be apprehended only indirectly by observing their function through the nature of things that can be sensed. Okay, so the idea that matter itself is separate and different, and yeah, that's these, our vehicle. Yeah, these elements, mm-hmm. the, everything, everything that's above Malkut in the tree, they don't really exist at all. Our senses can't perceive them directly, but only indirectly through you mm-hmm. know, their function that we perceive through things that can be sensed. It's, yeah. a, it's a little abstract, but it makes sense. I think I know. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I also have. Um, there was also something that made sense at the time about the weapons. <laughs> what I was reading yesterday about evocation and invocation, the double cube altar and the magic circle and the triangle, mm-hmm. as having something to do with that overcoming of separateness and being able to act. But I can't remember what it was. When you mentioned the circle and triangle, it made me think mm-hmm. of, so there's the, the triangle of evocation and, you know, usually one way of evoking something within the triangle was to use incense as a vehicle mm-hmm. like of matter for it to latch onto as a structure for the right. for the evoked spirit to use as a structure. And that made me think of, you know, the magical weapon of Yisod being the perfume but somehow there's that connection between the astral mm-hmm. and the, the the material in the incense that allows right. for that evocation to have the structure here in Malkut to project itself onto her. Right. Something no, that like makes that. sense. What do you know about the double cube altar? It's black. It's two cubes stacked on top of each other. <laughs> it's kind of like a physical representation of the as above so below axiom um, is, is know, that the same altar that we see in the princess cards well, kind of because it's kind of pinched in in the middle yeah you know, kind of this. i guess but usually it's just two cubes two but, cubes right yeah 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 but you know so there's something about that altar as one of the weapons of malkut mm-hmm. that makes me think of you know the altar as being a representative of the earth itself, you know, the earth upon which we walk, upon which we go, upon which we take action. Well, the altar is just like a microcosm of that, you know, it's, it's where you act out your, your astral stuff uh, down here. There's also, I've seen something somewhere about the altar as being something to do with the sacrifice of self. Which mm. I haven't quite puzzled out yet, but it makes some sense uh, mm. in terms of Malkut. The yeah. place where you are working magic, that, and it's again, it's that thing about connection with the Holy Guardian Angel. It kind of relates back to that because if that is finding, realizing a destiny and making a new self based on that connection, well, making a new self implies destroying an old self. Yeah. Yeah, that was something I was thinking about also in terms of the term, I can't remember when we talked about it, maybe in the Four of Cups, but the term negative capability, which dates from, you know, romantic poetry right before the Golden Dawn. 
And this idea that in order to perceive truly, it's almost like you have to be, I guess it's a, a 19th century version of the idea of mindfulness, the idea that you're fully present while mm. being fully passive at the same time without that kind of death of the ego, the death of the conscious mind, you can't really perceive anything at all. Yeah, there's something there. There's something there. And there's something else about the, the altar we were talking about, too, that the fact that it's a cube, mm -hmm. or a double cube, but it's still a cube. It still has six sides. And that brings in, again, Tiferet and that connection to the, the yeah. angel and whatnot. Yeah. And then the other weapon, of course, is the quartered circle, um, which we've talked about so many times. I'm not sure it's necessary go to, to go back to the episode there. if yes. you want to hear that. Plus, there's exactly. an article, actually, that I wrote about the quartered circle on my website. So if you go to the tabulamundi.com website and put into the search bar the quartered circle or quartered cross, it'll pop up. Or the solar cross, yeah. Yeah. Or the wheel cross. Uh, actually, I think, I think I called it the quartered circle or quartered cross. Put in quartered, it will come up probably. Mm -hmm. Which is actually a really good transition to the colors oh, yeah. of Malkut. Since in at least in the colors of Bria and Yetzira, we have to quarter the circle in order to accommodate them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so... There's some interesting stuff there because so when we if we just look at the queen scale colors alone, we're already talking about four colors. Mm -hmm. So citrine, russet, olive and black. So there's two different ways I've read about how they're created. One theory says that each of those colors is an elemental mix of the three elemental right. colors, the primary colors, red, yellow and blue. So, you know, that theory says... Mm -hmm. That, that citrine would be those three colors mixed, but the predominant one is yellow. It's like the sub-element of air. Right. And then, you know, same thing with all the rest of them, and then black is all of them combined. That's what and I And then the other, the other way I've seen it written is that the citrine is a combination of the colors of Hode and Netzach, and mm -hmm. that the olive is a combination of the colors of Netzach and Yisod. So mm. green and purple would make mm -hmm. kind of like an olivey color, right? Hmm. And then th that russet is a mixture of the colors of Hode and Yisod. So if you're starting with orange and adding some purple mm -hmm. to it, you're going to get like a more russety color. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously black is everything mixed again. So it was a little bit different. One says it's all three mm -hmm. with the predominance of one. And the other is is mixing two of the secondary colors which I thought was mm -hmm. that's interesting. Like one is mixing the three primaries with one dominant and the other is mixing, which is kind of the same thing, actually, because the secondary colors are going to. So all the primaries are going to be in there. So it's really just different ways of saying the same thing. You, yeah. you could make the same colors either way. Exactly. What they all have in common is that they're admixtures. Um, yeah. They're all so they, Yeah, they're all mm -hmm. elemental admixtures is the mm -hmm. important distinction mm -hmm. because Malkut here you know we are this is the this is the realm of the elements that's why the sphinx is here that's why the corded cross is here that's why you know all this symbolism here has to do with that fourfold division of the elements and the elemental powers in right. manifestation the other colors are in the king scale you just have yellow and so you know yellow in Malkut is uh, I think Crowley says it's the appearance our senses attach to the solar radiance. 
Mm-hmm. And then he says something really interesting. He says that it's the illusion, Malkuth is the illusion we make to represent to ourselves the nature of the universe. You know, what he's saying is we look at yellow and that's what we, our senses call, attach, you know, to the solar radiance. That's the illusion that we make to represent ourselves to mm-hmm. ourselves, the yeah, nature of the universe. That reminds me of... The solar of... radiance is kind of part of the nature of the universe, and that's what we're using to represent it. It reminds me of the yellow sky in the pentacles of um, Rider Waite Smith, which is an illusion of a sunny day, because that's not what a sunny day looks like at all. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but it, that's our idea. Yellow. Yeah, our idea of solar radiance. Yeah. You know what else was interesting to me? You, we To go back, remember that 3D model we were talking mm-hmm. about of the Tree of Life that looks like yeah. it's made out of like Tinker, Tinker toy. toys or whatever? Mm-hmm. So if you look at that model, one thing that's really interesting that I was kind of just like meditating on, flashbacking on, whatever, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at it. And so if you look at that, so the, the symbol of Malkuth is the quartered cross. And if you look at that diagram on there, Malkuth is divided, the, the sphere of Malkuth is divided into the, the four with the colors. And they put the yellow color, the citrine, on mm-hmm. top, mm-hmm. right? And the black is on bottom. Mm-hmm. And the yellow is air and the black is earth. And those are the – that's mm. the um, – the fourth element is final hay, the daughter, on bottom, at the yeah. very bottom. And then the the yellow on top of that is her twin, Vav, air, yellow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the, the, all the Tinker Toys are all stuck into that <laughs> yellow part of the sphere, right? Mm. So everything is coming in through that connection with the prince, you could say. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Everything mm-hmm. is coming in from that air quadrant. And that really makes sense because the root of air is Keter. You know, Malkut yeah. and Keter, that intimate thing, everything in the universe emanates from there. And it's all like funneled in through that yellow point on top of that quadrant. So it was just making me think of this connection between both air and the fool and Keter, but mm-hmm. also the Ten of Swords and the Princess of Swords, which are the air cards of Malkut, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about that. The Ten is ruin. It's this piercing. And all, everything, all those Tinker Toy parts are all piercing into that yellow, like... Like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. as if the idea of ruin as a piercing and the idea of birth as a death and the whole tree like sticking in through that yellow part. I don't know. It was just something that my brain was kind of uh, having a hallucination over. And then <laughs> the, the, the idea of the princess of swords being that warrior of the mind and the astral warrior mm-hmm. and that connection there primarily first to Yisod, the realm of the astral. I just thought it was really interesting that you could have turned that sphere anyway and put the colors in any order but it put yellow in the north and black in the south and uh it put uh the olive in the east and the the russet in the west and i just i i don't know i kind of thought that mm-hmm. was interesting the other thing i was thinking about is i saw somewhere that it, i think it was in the sephiri at sira it gave the direction of north to to malkut hmm. which i thought was interesting just because yes. looking at that everything does come out of that northern quadrant of Malkut in that in that 3D model. And it's interesting you know? that we also associate North with Earth in Golden Dawn correspondences. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It was kind of interesting just looking at that model and looking at 
Malkut and how the model was constructed. Should probably put a picture up of it. Do you think we could do that for extras? Yeah. There's um, also the, uh, you know, the same thing that you were talking about with the black and the yellow. The final color of Malkutanasia is black, red, yellow. And I was just thinking if you just go with, you know, the Atsalutic and the Asiatic colors from yellow to black, red, yellow, it's almost as if the yellow is being born out of the black again. Yes. And that's actually eternal cycle. Like that, because if we didn't we didn't finish the colors, but the the mm-hmm. prince scale color is the same as the queen; those four elemental colors, but mm-hmm. flecked with gold. Right. So that's again right. that, that impregnation. I think of flecked as in yes. impregnating the colors. So that's the fertilization right there. But then you get to the final color, black, rage, yellow, and those flecks have started moving. Like Extended, I think of a ray yeah. as being a moving fleck. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, in Star Wars in the beginning and the stars start going by, you, right? <laughs> so, but there's something yeah. about that black, red, yellow that brings in that connection between Malkut and Teferet. Yes. And also the idea of motion and going and the regeneration that is about to occur. Exactly. The new personality that you're about to create. Yeah, and which is something you can also see. You were talking about the Ten of Swords and Thoth. You can also see it in Rider Waite, you know, the yellow coming out of the black. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's actually a pretty good transition to talking about cards talking about the miners yeah i guess we got to go there before we do another (laughs) episode as long as the nine was so the tens particularly in thoth you see the the sort of buck stops here quality to them because three out of the four of them actually have a tree of life on them Mm -hmm. i just graphically lady frida couldn't do that with the ten of wands but you can clearly see the ten sephir out in the tens of cups and swords and discs, as well as, of course, in the Ten of Pentacles and Rider-Waite-Smith, you can see it. Mm -hmm. What's so interesting is that each of these is, in its own right, some kind of ending. I mean, if you think about, like, the Ten of Wands, that is, you know, the solstice, right? The the winter solstice up here, where it turns from from the moment of greatest darkness towards the changing of the light. And then the Ten of Cups is the end of the astrological year. The the double Mars, yeah. Exactly, and and the end of Pisces. And then the Ten of Swords is endings in a couple different ways, in the sense that it's like, as you were saying, the the end of Yetzirah and the beginning of the summer solstice. It changes over that way. And in some cultures, as we know, that was the beginning of the year. That was the end of the year, yep. And then, of course, the Ten of Discs is the ultimate ending because it's the it's the final suit and the final card of the final suit. And the harvest, yeah. And the harvest as well. So each one of these is... Is an is, ending, yeah. Is an ending of some kind. It's just a matter of how you look at it. What but none of them are final, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because they all regenerate, you know, especially that Ten of Discs. That's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we talked about in the Ten of Wands is the idea that ultimate, that ultimate ambition, that ultimate overbearing dominance kind of sows the seeds of its own rebellion. You know, sometimes we think of this as like a tyranny or mm-hmm. like an overbearing government. And within that is always the, the, the force awakens, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the seeds of the rebellion, you know. And then in the Ten of 
cups. There's that over-slaked, over-satiated feeling where Crowley says that having got everything one wanted, one did not want it after all. You know, there's that feeling of just post-Thanksgiving <laughs> lying around right. being over-satisfied. But also the question, like, even in Rider-Waite-Smith, where you see that kind of stagey, happily ever after thing, you're always wondering what comes after that, you know? Right. that's And you can almost see that the happiness of the couple in that image is being reproduced in the children. So the idea that the next generation has to play out the same archetype, the same narrative. Right. Uh, and there's that rainbow that um, yes. symbolism too, like after the storm at the end, there's that rainbow and that mm-hmm. promise, but it fades. Exactly. Right? It's a bridge to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, right. The Rainbow Bridge. The Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. And and the Ten of Swords, it's sort of like, it's that, like, the end of the argument where you have to just kind of pick up the pieces and go on. Whether you've won or you're lost, there are no more words at that point. You just have to pick up and act, which brings us to discs. Um, and it's interesting that that's the, mm-hmm. the, the Ten of Swords card. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that is, like, the most destructive, probably... Card yeah, deck, materially speaking, uh, most destructive card. Yeah. But it's ruled by the sun. The Deccan is ruled by the sun. Isn't that mm-hmm. interesting? That yeah, that the sun that gives life here is very, very destructive. And mm-hmm. it's almost as if it reminds me again. It just popped into my head how we were talking about the connection with the angel of Tiferet and the sun and the holy guardian angel mm-hmm. of the idea of of starting a new personality and the death of a personality. I don't know, like the endings and beginnings thing there made me think of that connection to the sun as the sun can be destructive in this case, but the, you know, even in the rider weight card, you see in the ba- in the backdrop, the new dawn coming, you know, the dark night above and the new dawn on the exactly. horizon. And we've talked about that card in terms Ego of death or something, you know, you know, yeah, for sure. And the idea that it's a choice, a black and white choice in which you have right, to commit Gemini. eventually. Yep. yep. Gemini. Cause it's the Gemini card. And what do you do after you choose? You act. So right. it's almost like after the Ten of Swords, you can either, I've often said that the solution to the Ten of Swords, because everybody hates getting it, is yeah. that either you go to the Two of Cups, which is love, yep. or you yep. go to the Two of Pentacles. It's opposite in elementally yep. and, you know, and also the next in sequence. And if you go from air to earth, and that's change. So either change or love are the answers to ruin. Or, you know, there's a third yeah. answer. Mm-hmm. Just in the in the in the theme of regeneration, you could go back to the one, mm. the, the Ace yeah. of Swords, and you know grab a hold, invoke your power, and grab that yes. sword. You know, yeah, you reduce the ten to one and yep. seize your power. Yep. And then in the ten of discs or pentacles, you know, I'm kind of thinking of the vice of Malkut, the inertia of wealth. <laughs> you know, the idea that this is where you have the obligation to repurpose the wealth, to respend it, to plant the seed and to grow the next thing, to use it rightly, I think Crowley says. Mm. But it also makes me think in the Rider Waite version of the idea that the family endures, people die, but the family as a concept endures forever. Right. It keeps mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, legacies. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. legacies endure. I also yeah. have to laugh at, you know, Lon Milo Duquette calling this the cosmic <laughs> constipation card. <or> <laughs> right. 
Right. It's my stupid sense of humor, but (laughs) this is the world of uh, essay there. So I guess, you know, the world of action, you got to go. (laughs) You got to go. go. (laughs) Yeah, and I know. And we call it a movement, too. (laughs) I was thinking about that. I didn't didn't quite get it out <laughs> but but yeah. I was thinking about it when we were talking colors about you know the yellow and the black and the way alchemically that's the the gold and the shit you know yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. gotta go <laughs> I know well we haven't done any dick jokes in this episode so I guess it's time for the poop jokes, yeah. <laughs> poop jokes. so majors by number and reduced we're back to magician wheel of fortune and the sun and you know I'm not sure we need to revisit every last thing we said in the number one episode but it is the cosmic reset button the 10 turning into the one themes that we see throughout all three of those cards um, yeah yeah yeah, that's really interesting like the sun you know we've talked a lot already about the connection to the and how important that is and the the idea of the wheel just yeah the wheel of samsara you know birth and and death and spirit and matters the womb and grave and things changing and through going things going i mean there's a theme there and then the magus that's you know Mm -hmm. the back to the return back to the one yeah, and there's a, you know, there's a real theme of infinity and cycles in there. I mean, we can mm-hmm. we can see that in terms of um the solar analemma being mm-hmm. kind of an implicit theme in in the magus and also the, you know, the ceaseless turning of the wheel. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm happy for people to just go back to the one for more. <laughs> yeah, we don't it's the episode is long enough that we don't yeah. need to rehash everything we've said about those mages, because there's a whole hour on each of those. And we got to talk about the pages princesses. So Yep, and the cards that connect. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. We Malcoon. should do cards that connect first, I guess. Yeah. And you know what I thought? I didn't really think about this before doing this episode, but I was thinking about how there's only three of them, and that's like a mirror of the three connecting to Keter. Hmm. You know? Uh, I was kind of thinking about how, like, if you if you reflected across the you know across Tiferet you know across the horizontal ex- axis, that kind of draws a parallel between the fool and the moon, and then a parallel between the magus and magus magician and eon judgment, which are mm-hmm. actually symmetrical in a lot of ways, and then between the priestess and the world, you know these two feminine archetypes. So it's kind of just interesting to think about that. Um, and with the fool and the moon, I was just thinking about how <laughs> the fool is our, our icon of not knowing and our and the moon is our icon of uncertainty. <laughs> now they have kind of that relationship. And there's also that description of the fool card that, you know, you don't see fool cards that actually illustrate it, but there's that description where it says that the fool holding mm-hmm. a sphere in his left hand that it contains illusion or something like that. Mm. You ever see that one? I so don't think so. He holds a sphere in his left hand over his right shoulder and in the sphere is contained illusion. That makes me think of the moon card and like, the fact, awkward posture, holding it in his left hand over his right shoulder. And yeah, I'm trying that to do the that. Tree, maybe that would correspond to the reflection of that mm-hmm. moon card, that illusion. I don't know. That's an interesting Just made me thought. think of that. Yeah, and in terms of like those three cards that are connected to Malkut, the moon, Eon or Judgment, and the world or universe, they all kind of reflect in some way these ideas 
of return and endings and beginnings starting mm. over that connection between and cycles because there's yeah. that there's that really cyclic aspect to the eon card on a grand scale and then on a very small scale there's the the moon's cycle you know as night the bark of the sun you know passes under the earth well the the moon is in the sky and that idea of like a very small cycle whereas mm-hmm. the eon is like a very cosmic large cycle yeah and i was sort of thinking also about like the way each of those relates to the real world versus the unseen world. I mean, like the moon, of course, is like the irrational or emotive channel that connects the astral plane to to our world through dreams and visions, you know, but there's also a rational counterpart to that in eon or judgment in the sense that kind of what you were talking about before that we remake ourselves on Malkut through the power of rationality, you know, in a sense, your actions become who you are. You live by rules created by your mind in Hode. And that's one way that judgment can kind of form the new person, the new self. And then, of course, we were talking about the universe card and the four creatures combined in the Sphinx, you know, and the idea that the bride or daughter is in Malkut and she's trying to return to Yesod and to Teferit to meet the bridegroom, I think, is that idea of journey and motion is implied that this world is, it, the Sabbath is holy because there's something more going on on this mm-hmm. day of rest. It's even said that you gain an extra soul on the Sabbath. The extra soul is actually the neshama of Briah. It has to do with, you know, the holiness of the day, the presence of the Shekinah, which, by the way, comes from a word meaning dwelling place. So, you know, there is there is that idea of the, the kingdom. Whole, yeah. Yeah. And the indwelling, the kingdom. And, and there's uh, also that idea yeah. of body as temple. Yes. You know, that yes. In, indwelling spirit, you know. Right. And that's the reason. Uh, soul, if you want to call it that. Right. Extra and that's soul. <laughs> that's the yeah, extra soul. That's that's the reason I believe that the Sabbath is supposed to be the day that is most holy to have sex, to make love because of the extra soul and the, you know, the sanctification <laughs> of the day. <laughs> that should be a Barry White song, Extra Soul. Extra Soul. Oh, man, from the sublime to the ridiculous, I guess. <laughs> well, hey, speaking, speaking of that, it just made me think of something else. Like mm-hmm. when you're talking about soul and... One thing I was we didn't talk about is the connection Malkut to yeah. the shells. Yeah. Quifoth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The shells, like, and it said that they have to do, like, I was trying to, well, what are they actually? You know, and like, you know, you, when you picture a, a shell, you're thinking of something that's that's empty of something, right? Co- yeah. A, a con- mm-hmm. construct. Somewhere, it, uh, it also said under the column where it lists uh, the shells, it, it it said matter and inverse. So mm-hmm. I think, well, what's the inverse of matter? Like, why antimatter? Mm. What are what are they talking about there? Like, so it just made me think that it's the 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 reason I even brought this up because you were talking about souls and and, and get, attaining an extra soul on Sunday yeah. or whatever. Is yeah. I kind of think of those shells as being missing something, and maybe that's what they're missing. Yes, that makes sense. Oh, pages and princesses. I should also mention that I wrote a long article about yes. them, you know, a couple of years ago that, you know, people 
who can go back and listen to the um, the episodes, and they can also look up that article on yeah. tabulamundi.com. Just Absolutely. type in princesses, and you'll probably find it. I think Mel called, has been I thinking think about princesses forever. And Earth. I think that that's kind of the best explanation people can get for why princesses are different and why they're special and why they're separate. And, you know, especially if you're coming from a Rider Waite background where pages kind of get short shrifted in some ways, interpretationally, mm. it's helpful to kind of have a, a counterbalance. I think Waite was just trying to, you know, do the one of those blinds where you hide some, you know, spiritual truth secret thing, you know, hide the power, the ultimate power of the princess is hidden in the right of weight. Yeah. And he doesn't even yeah. make them female necessarily. You Not know? necessarily. It, it's hard to tell. Ugh. They look more male to me. Don't get me started on occult lines. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, know, you frustrating, know, huh? you know, one thing that I think is worth thinking about with pages, even if you don't have the whole background on princesses, is that, you know, they may not have the authority of the yes. kings, I know but they have the, all the potential, all the wealth of life before Think them. Think about the actual power of somebody that was a messenger between, like, mm -hmm. for kings, and you know what I mean? The, the yes. power of of someone that's connected. And that's kind of what the pr princess is. She is the connection between heaven and earth, or ultimate authority, and uh, she, down here. She's the one who's empowered and embodied to take action. Woe Whoa, unto whomsoever, whomsoever shall make, make war upon her, her when thus established. <laughs> Uh, her her power existeth not save by reason of the others. So meaning the others being all of her family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Her, yeah, that's kind of important to reflect on about how her powers come from what preceded her, her, her family that preceded her. So mm -hmm. there's her twin, who is her consort as well, the prince, who gets all his powers from the parents. But mm -hmm. then she gets his powers, which contain theirs. Yeah. What I, one of the things I like about the princesses that I think is a really cool phrase is I first saw it in Libra Theta. The princesses are called volatile and permanent, which Ooh. sounds like, you know, an oxymoron, like two separate things. But that it really encapsulates their essence or their energy that they're mm -hmm. both volatile and permanent and it, it does speak to that idea of you know the volatility of spirit and the permanence of matter and the idea of regeneration something that's inert and permanent is also volatile and moving and you know yeah it, there's something i just love about that phrasing i'm just thinking about like the various jobs that we expect of pages or princesses, you know, the sort of hot chemistry of the page of wands and the the otherworldliness of the page of cups and the page of swords as the astral warrior and the page of pentacles or princess of dis as the ultimate fecund um, right. gestational force of life. And that what all of those have in common is that they are that permanent action in the world but they are constantly in motion. They're constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Standing firmly of themselves, not seated in thrones, not on horses, nor in chariots, needing little yeah. armor. Yeah, barely dressed at all. Yes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Partly draped, I think, is the, the tasteful yes. way that they say it, but or partially draped. Yeah, and I was just thinking also of like how particularly in highly monarchical cultures, you know, there's a real emphasis on 
the children, the idea that the children are the future. You know, I believe the children are our future. <laughs> you know, the idea well, that... You think about what happened to princesses in, in, in they were used as yeah. pawns to form alliances with other kingdoms. They were like powerful in that sense, kind of traded, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, yeah, to, yeah. To enhance the powers of dynasties and combine kingdoms, you know? I was just thinking also about how like the pawn, which is like the page in chess, is mm-hmm. like the one that is the least powerful piece, but if it gets to the end, it becomes the most powerful piece, Yep. you know, and that yep. those two qualities inhere in the same figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like oh, the, the journey, the going on the throne of the mother is the same as uh, yeah. getting to the other side of the chessboard with your pawn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 it is. Boy, I never really thought about that before. But yeah, that's me neither. Cool. Oh, I have a little note here to myself about the tens as I've, I mean, I haven't sort of received combinations of tens very often, but I did have an experience quite recently when I drew the 10 of wands and the 10 of discs together. Ooh, was, that's yeah. What happened? It? Anything cool? Well, gatherings larger than 10 were banned. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Really? But yeah, on that, for, on that day, although you know, the the number kept changing, but on that day it was gatherings larger than ten. But also that day, you know, my sister and her partner we don't know, but we think that they were sick with COVID. Um, we don't really know. They didn't have too bad a form of it. It was a day when I think Randy was bringing them groceries. So there was like that ten of wands bearing all the food <laughs> and you know for the 10 of discs for the sake of the family and it was also me at home doing 10 of discs work work on taxes and quicken and stuff like that Ugh. but um <laughs> yeah i know exactly i wrote a spell that day which i thought was kind of a way to summarize those two forces i wrote our bonds the product and the sum the freight we bear the maximum <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I don't even know what it means, but I enjoy cool. having it. It sounds cool. Anyway, so shall we sum up some themes here? Okay. I forgot that there's a, something about how the 10 is the crystallization. Oh, um, speaking of crystals, I thought this was interesting. So the the crystals for the stones that correspond to Malkut is mm-hmm. the rock crystal, right? And then, <laughs> and, and then for... Isode, it's quartz. And I'm like, well, what the hell's the difference between rock crystal and quartz? I had to look it up. Yeah. Because I knew rock crystal is quartz. So I'm like, well, why are they the same? So yeah. basically, rock crystal is really clear quartz. Oh. So I was thinking about that, and it kind of made me go, oh, that's the connection between Keter and Malkut. Because what is a diamond but like the ultimate clear? Yeah. Stone. And so so where the in the astral in Isode, it's it's quartz itself, but it might not be perfect, it might be flawed, it might it's you know, it's more amorphous, it's more but then in Malkut it's it's cl- actually clearer. You would think it would get you know, yeah. muddier they always say, Oh, Malkut degeneration. But in in this case it's regeneration because it's connecting back to the stone of Keter, the diamond, right? And then, and then I got curious. Well, okay, what's what are they putting in um, in Tiferet? The only other one, yellow diamond. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. yellow that diamond and the diamond above, and then there's quartz and Yisod, and then it's 
becomes this rock crystal, which is super, super perfect, flawless quartz. Yeah, that kind of makes me think, although it's not, the, you know, the correspondence that, that you're given, but it makes me think of like, you know, coal as a Malkut mm, kind of thing and turning you diamond. crush it and you turn it into diamond of Ketan. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense yeah, too, because yeah. coal is black, you know, the color yeah. of earth of earth. Exactly. And they're formed in the earth. The diamond is formed deep down in earth under pressure and gravity and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I realized that I just wanted to mention that mm -hmm. ties in too is we, we talked about, you know, the, the temple of the body. And in the 777 column about, you know, Buddhist terms that as it relates to the Sephiro, it gave 10 as either the body mm -hmm. or the Sangha. So it is a thing, there is a thing in, in Buddhist meditation that return to the body, you know, your mind, you know, mm -hmm. can spin out or whatever. And you, if you return to the body and what's, what's real, you know, what am I feeling? What's in the body? And it's, it really, it's a really powerful practice to return to the body. Mm -hmm. And the, it, yeah. but it also listed in the under 10 as Sangha, which is, you know, everybody else. Other bodies. Oh, I see. So it's your your own body and and everybody else that's in there practicing with you in in you know your Buddhist friend group or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's the nine was the Dhamma itself, which was like the Dhamma is like the the right living the the cosmic law, mm -hmm. and it kind of made me think of like how we were talking about in the nine as being like the what's behind reality, you know, yeah. the cosmic laws of the Dhamma. And our right actions mm -hmm. here down in the body are intimately connected. Yeah, that does seem like a, a kind of a perfect reflection of nine into ten. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Oh, I we, guess we got to sum it up now. We got to <laughs> sum it up. We've got endings and beginnings, uh, renewal, regeneration. We didn't even talk about red integration. But oh, yeah, no, we but didn't. They can go we've back done it a million it. times. Yeah. 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 yeah they, uh, they should look at the ten of discs for that one. Huh? Right. Right. Or listen right, to, right. I should say. Uh, There's for spirit and matter, the womb and the grave. Keter is in Malkut and Malkut in Keter. The harvest, the overripeness, the receiving. The, vo mm -hmm. the volatile and the permanent. Points idea of itself. The uh, virtue of discrimination or skepticism. Versus avarice or inertia. Completion, fertility, cycles within cycles. The body as a temple or a bar room, I don't know. <laughs> and with that, I got to cook Easter dinner. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, and that's kind of perfect. Sort of like the, um, the, 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 the resurrection, the, the resurrection. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and we're doing the 10, the number of resurrection on the day of resurrection. All righty. Well, thanks everybody for counting to 10 with us. That was fun. <laughs> and so we'll be doing another pause before the next break where we do a special divination episode or maybe two episodes if it works out that way. Uh, so we'll be inviting one card readings. And so I guess the place to look for that is on our website, patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse and it will also go out on fortunes wheelhouse academy on facebook so until next time stay well stay healthy stay indoors and uh, we'll see you then and that's our show for today you can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals which will help you follow along with the show 
If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at Fortune's Wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore Fortune's Wheelhouse gear, like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more, by checking out our Redbubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com. And my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.